Amen, amen. Well, as you know, we have been going through a series called Disciple You, Discipleship University. So we're learning what it is to be a disciple. Today we're looking at the topic of the climb, looking at the climb. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about the climb uh, and discipleship? Well, the images that come to our mind when we think about the climb, we think about uh, maybe you have uh, climbed a rock wall. Maybe it's one of those that, you know, at uh, uh, places like, uh, you know, the fair or wherever, those kinds of rock walls. Or maybe you've actually climbed a rock wall. Uh, maybe it's a mountain. You, your image comes to your mind as you're climbing mountain peaks or uh, going to the, uh, you know, the parkway and climbing up across the mountains, whatever it may be. Or maybe it's like you, uh, this, this weekend for us anyway, we have grandchildren at the house and we think about climbing, we think about kids climbing everywhere, all over the place. Maybe that's you as well. Uh, but uh, with the climb has different ideas. But what we need to know is that the discipleship is a climb. Discipleship is a climb, not a cruise. Y'all with me this morning? I'm not sure y'all are here today. Uh, y- y'all with me this morning? Say yes. Okay, that's better. Good. All right, so discipleship is a climb. It's not a cruise. It's a conforming, not a coasting it is being cultivated, it's not being carefree, all right? It is a climb. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture and see that even Paul recognizes that he has not reached the pinnacle of growth yet. And beloved, neither have we. Neither have we. We all have room to grow as disciples, And we all must grow as disciples. And so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, going verses 12 through 16. And so in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read these few verses for us this morning. The Bible says, as Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you, Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning and how we desire uh, your word to speak to our hearts today. Lord, we pray that you would set aside all the distractions uh, of the world around us outside of our thinking, that, Lord, we would be concentrated upon what you would have us to hear and to understand. Lord, that we would walk away from our service today with a greater desire to grow in our walk with you, to love you more, to be more like you. We pray, Lord, that if there are those here today that don't know Jesus, that this would be the hour of salvation, to know the one who is our Savior and our Redeemer, who is here to transform us to be more like, transform us and change us so that we can be more like you and, and to be right with the Father. Father, I pray that you would have your way in every heart and every life. Lord, for those of us who do know you, may you work in us and through us. May you guide and direct, and may we walk away knowing that we've been in your presence. And Father, I pray that you'd have your way in my heart. I am 
but your instrument, O oh God. I pray that you would use me and speak through me. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as you see the outline in the bulletin, and I know you've seen it, and there are six points, and it, just, just trust me, it's going to be okay, all right? Don't get all worried about that. It's going to be okay. I will tell you that the first point is a little bit longer than the others, but it'll be fine, all right? And so the first thing that we're going to see here in this idea of the climb, as we look at this passage of Scripture, is the first thing that we see is the examination. There has to be an examination. As disciples, now listen, as disciples, what happens, maybe nobody here, but this is what often happens, is that we often will settle into our routines. We will often settle into our traditions. We'll often settle into our habits. And what happens is that we will get comfortable and we like maintaining the status quo as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that's none of you, but that does happen sometimes. What happens is that we are busy doing what we have done and what we plan to do. Did y'all catch all that? What we like to do is we're, we're busy, we're busy doing what we have done and what we plan to do. And so we have to ask ourselves, is that all there is in this thing called discipleship? What is it that the Lord desires of his people? Well, he expects us, listen, he expects us to be obedient and to grow in our walk with him. Not maintaining the status quo. Not being stagnant in our faith. Not being satisfied in our present state. No, listen, there must be, now listen, there must be a holy, healthy dissatisfaction with where we are presently in our growth as disciples. There must be this holy yet healthy dissatisfaction of where I am in my walk with Jesus. And this causes us then to continually to do an examination. Now, how many here, and I don't, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many here likes taking exams? Just a few. All right, good. All right, there are some who really like exams, and that's okay. But typically across the board, folks don't like to take exams. All right, so if you like taking those kinds of exams, school kind of exams, do you like taking, going to the doctor and getting those kinds of exams? Or how about dental exams? Ah, those are never fun, are they? We don't put it on our calendar with a big old circle that says, Yay, it's coming up this week, right? No, we don't really care for those. But here's the thing. We're, those kinds of exams, whether it's a test for examinations or whether it's a doctor's exam or a dentist's exam, these are absolutely necessary in order to get a correct picture of where, and where we are and what needs to be done in our lives, in our mouth or our teeth, a dental or our body, whatever. We, we need to figure out what's going on so that we can find out what needs to be done. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that Paul shows in this passage that he is doing an examination. He's doing an examination on his own walk with the Lord, on his own growth, where he is in his walk with the Lord. As a matter of fact, let's look at verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained 
or am already perfected. He is making this honest examination of his life. He's saying, I am not there yet. He is say, Paul is saying, I have, to, I have not reached spiritual maturity. I have not, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. I am not at the state of completion as a Christian. I am not perfect in Christ-likeness. I am not all that I should be or all that he has made me to be. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Man, just think about all that he has done for the cause of Christ, and yet he is saying in, in, in an honest examination of his life, look, not that I've already attained, I'm already perfected. I am not there yet. He is saying, in my walk with Jesus, I am not done. In my walk with Jesus, I am not finished. In my walk with Jesus, I have not arrived. In my walk with Jesus, I have not reached the top. But too often, beloved, I think that we often think that we have made it. We think that as believers, we're done now. We think that as Christians, as disciples, I've completed it. I've I've finished my race. And sometimes we even get awful smug as as we look at other Christians and we think, hey, I'm doing pretty good compared to those guys over there. Mm. The truth of the matter is, friends, is that we all... A-L-L, all, all, right, all, we all need to take an examination of our own lives. An examination, listen, that doesn't compare ourselves to other Christians. That doesn't compare ourselves to the world that around us, but the examination is that we are comparing ourselves to Jesus Christ, who is the standard. That's what we are to to compare ourselves to. We compare ourselves to him. And so here's the question. As we take this examination in our lives, am I like Jesus? Do I act? Do I look like Jesus? This is the question we need to be asking ourselves. Am I there yet? And by the way, if you say yes to any of those, then you have just failed the test. Amen? All of us, we're not there yet. Because here's the thing, Jesus was perfect and we are not. Jesus himself was the only one who lived on this earth who was completely perfect, but we are not perfect. And my studies this week, one of the quotes that I came across that I wanted to share with you this morning is this, that perfection for the disciple, for all of us as disciples, perfection in this life is to always be the goal, but it will never be attained. Y'all with me? Perfection is the goal, but it's not attainable. It is to constantly be the goal before us that we're looking for this perfection, to be perfect as Christ is. Now, uh, it will be, know, know this about discipleship, that it will never be attained because this thing of discipleship It will be a climb. It it will be a constant. We're constantly being conformed to Christ. It will be a process of being cultivated daily to look like Jesus. It's a process that we're all going through. Now, in that day, as Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, there were some at that time who were likely teaching that you could attain spiritual perfection without having any sin in your life once you become a believer. 
It was a false teaching. Others would have taught that you are perfect once you accept Christ plus become a good Israelite and follow the law. And believe it or not, there are some likely who believe these same false teachings today. But here's the truth. Listen. Our righteousness in Christ, the righteousness that we have, that we are right before holy God, that which we have in Christ, is our spiritual reality, and that cannot be approved, improved upon. This is always going to be the same. When we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, then we have this, this righteousness that we have in Him cannot be improved upon. However... Our walk in this present life can be improved upon, and it must be improved upon. Amen? You all with me? So we are right before holy God, but at the same time, we still have work to do in the walk in which we're living on this side of heaven. There's much work that still needs to be done in your life and in my life and in our lives. We are still to grow. And so as we uh, examine our lives in light of who Jesus is, And what he desires for us to be, then it should then give us that holy and healthy dissatisfaction in where we are spiritually, and and knowing where we are spiritually, with a desire that should develop within us a desire to grow in this walk with Jesus. It should stir that up within us. As we examine our lives, we should see that we're not there yet, and we should cause us to want to grow have this desire to be more like Jesus. So if we, now listen, if we have no desire to grow in our walk or to grow in being like Christ, if we think that we're good enough already, hey, I got this preacher. If we think we don't, or if we don't have a burden to pursue a greater passion for Jesus, then here's the danger. We are in real danger of becoming complacent and contented, we're in real danger in becoming calloused to our own sin, and we're in danger of uh, becoming indifferent toward our commitment to Christ. We become very apathetic about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. There should always be the desire to grow in our walk with Jesus, to be more like Him, to be more like Christ all the time. Discipleship is a climb. It involves examination. Secondly, it involves motivation. Now, examination is good. We need to have those examinations, but but it's not enough. It's good to have the examinations, but if you go to the doctor and he tells you that your blood pressure is too high or that you have high cholesterol or, heaven forbid, that you weigh too much, right... And then you walk away and you do nothing about it. Then what good did the exam do? Right? You need to do something about it. There needs to be, we need some motivation. And so we find in the latter part of verse 12, he says, Paul writes, But I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Paul is saying, I press on. In other words, I'm I'm running, I'm following after, and this is an aggressive, it's an energetic endeavor. I am running after that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So what is this thing 
That's a lot of words there. What does that mean that Paul is seeking? What is Paul seeking to lay hold of? The word laid hold of means to capture. It means to seize. It means to grasp. What is Paul seeking to grasp? What does he want to seize? Well, he says it's the very thing that Jesus also has laid hold of him. That which Jesus has grasped him for, has captured Paul for, has seized Paul for. In other words, Paul's goal in life was consistent with Christ's goal in saving him. And what was that? Christ saved him so that Paul would be like Christ. He transformed, he gave him, he made him righteous before God, but he changed him so that he would be like Jesus. Being right with the Father, he's righteous, but also living that life that is holy and perfect like Jesus. So here is my motivation. This is why I need to do an examination. This is why I need to grow. Is because I want to be like Jesus. The only one who is perfect, the only one who lived righteously on this earth, I want to be like Jesus because I want to live a life that's a holy life that reveals the transformation that only God can make in a person's life. I want people to see me. I want people to see a life that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so now he has changed me and transformed me. And I want to be like him in all that I say, in all my actions and all my reactions. Well, you're the preacher. You're supposed to do that. If you're a disciple, we're all supposed to do that. Amen? We're followers of him. We've been changed by him. He is moving in our hearts and moving in our lives to make us more like him. Listen to Romans 8, 29. We know part of this verse because we heard a lot, but there's another part we seem to forget. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, watch this, to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined in order that we might be conformed to the image of his son, that we would be changed to be like Jesus. That is the goal. So that's the goal that we are to have, to be like Jesus. It should be what motivates us in our walk. It's what motivates us to grow. I want to be like Jesus. Are we there yet? No. No one's there yet. No one is perfectly like Christ yet. Do we have that same motivation is the question. Do you want to be like Jesus? We are not there yet. It is a climb. It is a process. It is growing daily in our walk with Jesus. So this discipleship, it is a climb. It involves examination. It involves motivation. And then thirdly, it also involves elimination. Elimination. The, latter, the first part of verse 13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul is saying here that in this process of climbing to be more like Jesus, I must forget those things that are behind me. In other words, I must cast off that which would obstruct my progress. When climbing, listen, when climbing, you don't want to be encumbered with some unnecessary weight. When you're climbing up a mountain or you're climbing up a rock wall, you don't need to have a lot of weight on you. You want to be free of that. I was thinking this morning about uh, when Lydia was a little bitty and we were, went to the Peaks of Otter. Some of you may know the Peaks of Otter. It's on the Blue Ridge Parkway up in Bedford County. And it's uh, quite the climb up to the top of the peaks. And 
takes a couple hours to get there. And so on the way up there, she was insistent that she wanted to climb to the top. And she's little bitty. I mean, she's little bitty now, but she's little bitty then, right? And so she says, so we say to her, well, okay, fine, if you want to cl- climb the peaks. But here's the deal. We're not going to carry you. So when, when you're ready to be carried, we just turn around and go back down at that point. And she said, okay. So we got there thinking, okay, this is going to be a 15 or 20-minute trek, and we kind of was hoping for that. We didn't want to climb that two and a half hours anyway. But lo and behold, she kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going and climbed all the way to the top of the peaks. Of course, when we got up there, she said, now I want to be carried back down. (laughs) I don't rightly remember how that worked at that point, but I suspect she walked some and we carried some on the way down as well. But, you know, when you're climbing up those mountains, you don't want to have to carry extra weight, right? It slows you down in your progress. It makes you more tired as well. And so what we find here is that when climbing in this thing called discipleship, you don't want to be encumbered with unnecessary weight. The writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verse 1, the latter part of that says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As we're making this climb as disciples, friends, we need to set aside the sin in our life and, and forget it, put it behind us. Don't let it weigh us down. Paul is saying in Philippians, he is saying, look, I want nothing to hold me back from moving forward in this thing called discipleship, being like Jesus, taking the next steps in my progress, climbing toward Christ's likeness. I want nothing holding me back. Well, what were those things that Paul says he was forgetting behind him? Well, we're not exactly positive, but there's some ideas that we have. And possibly, first off, he was probably thinking about those things that he was forgetting, but those were his past failures. He said, I'm going to forget those things which are behind me. Those things that were my failures in the past, I'm going to move those. I'm going to set those back behind me. I'm not going to worry about them. I don't want them to hold me back from making progress. His past failures, his, his self-righteous past, his past as the, the murderous Saul when he was a rejecter of Christ and a persecutor of Christians. He's saying, I, that was my past. That was before Christ. I don't need that to keep me back. And I, want to, I don't want to dwell on that. I want to keep moving forward. I don't want that to keep hanging over me. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Brothers and sisters, listen. Sometimes we keep ourselves from being what Jesus wants us to be because we dwell on our past failures. We say to the Lord, we try to excuse ourselves even, and we say, the Lord could never use me as his servant because of the sin in which I have committed. Now listen to me. You may not be able to do some things because of the consequences of your sin, but I'm here to tell you that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transforming power of Jesus Christ, he can take our mess... And he can use our life as a message for his glory. Amen? He is able to do that. So Paul says, I don't want to dwell on my past. I don't want to let those things that were my past to keep holding me back. I want to be more like Jesus each and every day. You know, the devil is so good at bringing up your past. He is so good at reminding you just how bad you ought to think you are. 
the brothers and sisters, you just need to remind him that you are now a child of the king who's been forgiven of your sins and you've been washed by the blood of the lamb. Don't let the devil hold you back as he reminds you of your past. Paul says, I'm putting those things behind me. Don't let your past failures obstruct your continued growth and service to Jesus for his glory. But also, it could have been, it could have been those things, and it may have also have been his past successes. You know, sometimes how good we've done things and our pride can hold us back as well. You know? Paul didn't want the pride of past successes to be a hindrance to his continued growth either. Now, as you think about Paul, as he's writing the church of Philippi, he'd be nearing the end of his life. He, was certainly, he has certainly seen God do some amazing things in his life through him and like his many missionary journeys or the churches that he has started or the miracles that the Lord has done through him, the lives that certainly have been saved and changed by the gospel that's been preached to the apostle Paul. And, you know, the same thing here. Too many times we may be tempted to say, okay, Whew, boy, I, I've, I've been busy for the Lord, you know, and I've done a lot of things, and I've been used the Lord in so many ways. I've taught for so many years. I, I've been to that Bible study. That's the Bible study. I got my little gold certificate that I got going to that Bible study. I've won 100 people to Christ last year. Certainly, I am done. I've done enough now. I can relax because I've reached the top. No that's not the case. Amen? That's not the case. And Paul's saying, look, it could very well be saying, look, I forget or I'm going to eliminate those things that are behind, whether it is my successes or whether it is my failures, because these things hold me back from pressing on, making the climb toward being more like Jesus. These things, my successes and my failures, these are nothing to me any longer. I want to move forward. We can see some of this in what Paul writes in just a few verses before this. If you start at verse 4 and kind of follow through, we see that he's talking about this. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, who's a Jew of the Jews, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, he says, I was blameless. Man, I was keeping the law perfect. I was doing great. But what things were gained to me, he says, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count those things as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, and not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And Paul is saying here, the things that are my past failures or my past successes, I forget those things. I put those things behind and I am pressing on to grow to be more like Jesus. I need to eliminate that stuff in my life. Friends, discipleship is a climb. It involves examination, motivation, elimination, and then also, fourthly, concentration. He says further in verse 13, Forgetting those things which are behind and 
reaching forward to those things which are hid. The word to reaching forward means to stretch. It describes stretching a muscle to its limit. Pictures a runner who is straining every muscle to reach the finish line. You've seen that on TV or maybe you've been one of those runners. And you see him stretching to get to that finish line. If you follow our analogy of a climb, we think of straining and and crossing rocks and pulling and constantly moving upward and forward, but to do so with a singular focus. And that focus is that we want to be like Jesus. That's the focus. You know, Paul uses athletics a lot in his writings, and athletes must have a single-minded focus. To really succeed in athletics and in other pursuits in life, those who are single-minded in their focus, well, they do really well. There are many, however, who have too many irons in the fire, dabble in too much, and don't do well, accomplishing very little. There are those who may stay busy. Listen, there are those of us who are disciples who are staying very busy in ministry. or in other areas of our life, with great relentless activity. But in reality, we're not making progress. Simply what we're doing is we're busy being busy, going round and round in circles, doing the same thing that we've always done and what we're about to do. Just keep doing the same things. That, my friends, is not growth. That's just being busy. And so when we have the one thing, the focus, the concentration, that we're concentrating on being like Jesus, then we quit just going around in circles and we start moving toward the goal. I want to be like Jesus. And how I speak and how I act and how I react, how I deal with other people, how I talk to my spouse, how I treat my children, how I treat my parents, all these things, I want to be like Jesus. We're to be focused on that. And let that be our concentration. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He talked about this idea of being focused. He said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're to stay focused, keeping our heads straight, looking ahead, having that focal point. I want to be like Jesus. That's the focal point. When we begin to look back and look around, we lose sight and we lose that focus. And things get kind of messed up. I remember as a kid, I had a buddy who, who his dad had given me and him the responsibility to plow the garden. And he had one of those plows you, cut, you stand behind. He was driving the tractor and I was, I was standing on the plow because I was younger and smaller than he was. And he figured he could tell me what to do. And he did. And so I'm holding on to the plow and, of course, I'm trying to see what I'm doing, and he's kind of looking back at me all the time. And when he got to the end of the, to the rows, many rows, and we looked back and saw the rows, they were anything but straight. Because we were not focused on it. Of course, we became a little more focused when his dad came out and, and gave us a few warnings or whatever. But that's what Jesus is saying here. Look, when you make sure that you stay focused. No one putting his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom. Keep your focus on being like Jesus. Amen? Concentrate on him. See, discipleship is a climb. It involves examination. It involves motivation, elimination, and concentration. And also it involves determination. Look at verse 14. He says, 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. A determination. He is pressing toward the goal. It specifically refers to the marker at the end of a race in which runners intently fix their eyes. So when a person is running, they're looking toward the goal, the finish line. That's our finish line. We want to be more like Jesus. We're constantly running toward that. There is a determination. I'm striving. I'm pressing for the goal. That's what Paul is saying. I'm pressing for the goal of the prize. He's not working for salvation, but rather he's working for the reward of his salvation. So why does he desire to grow more and more like Jesus? Why this sense of determination, this sense of pressing forward? Well, it's the upward call. It's the upward call because of the one up there who is calling Paul up there. It's an upward call. Y'all follow that? The one who's up there is calling Paul up there. The one who's up there is calling us up there too, by the way, as disciples. Paul knows that he will see Jesus. And his desire is to please him in every area of his life, growing more and more like Jesus. Paul wants to be able to say at the end of his life what he did say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and finally there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Brothers and sisters, discipleship, well, it's a climb. It involves examination, examining our life. It's a motivation. I want to be like Jesus. Elimination, putting those things behind that need not be there. Concentrating, I focus on him. And determination, we're pressing for him. But it's also, we need to ask the question, is Paul saying this because this is what he, just, he is doing or is this for us too? No, it also includes, finally, our participation. Our participation. Look at, look at verse 15, 16. Paul says, therefore... Let us, that's us who are disciples, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. If anything you think otherwise, God reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In other words, if you are also a disciple, a follower of Jesus, then let this also be your desire. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, let this also be your desire to seeking to grow, examining your life. Being motivated to be like Jesus, getting rid of of those things that hinder you, concentrating on the goal and being determined, striving forward, climbing higher in your growth as a disciple. It's all of our participation to be a part of this as well. As disciples, it involves us as well. We all have the same calling, the upward call, to strive forward and press on. So we're to grow. All right, preacher, I got that. All right, so I need to grow. So how do I grow? Well, don't you know how you grow? Well, here's the thing. You grow by being healthy because healthy things grow. Amen? Healthy things grow. So how are we to be healthy? When you think about your children, when your children were little, how they grew. What your parents, your guardians, that they did for you while you were young is that they took care of you so that you would be healthy and that you would grow. And the first thing they, they would do for you is they would give you nutrition, right? You, you need to be fed. And boy, do you need to be fed, right? We need that nutrition. And so the nutrition that we need is the Word of God. 
We need that to feed us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it's not on the screen, but let me share this with you. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure miracle of the word that you may grow thereby. We need to grow by having the word of God. We pour that into us. We, we're fed by the word of God. So we're to be growing, being healthy by the word of God. And some of you may be sitting here and say, well, great. I feel like I need to grow more, but now that you're telling me I need to read more. Not necessarily. Sometimes we need to change up how we're reading the Word of God. Sometimes it's not about how many chapters you got read in a day, but what you did with what you read. Y'all with me? Sometimes it's not that you need to read one more chapter, but maybe you need to spend more time in the chapter that you read and meditate on that chapter. Letting the Word of God, instead of this being the checklist, you need to check it off so that it helps me to grow. No, let it really feed you. And spend time in that word. Does that make sense? So grow in that by taking the word in. Letting it feed you. Feed on the word. It's what we need for nutrition. The other thing that we need as we're getting to be healthy as, as, as people is we need oxygen. Right? I mean, take oxygen away. You need it. You need that. But it's pretty serious. You need that, right? We need oxygen. And so the thing that correlates to oxygen is prayer. We need oxygen without ceasing. We need prayer without ceasing. We need to pray without ceasing. Amen? So to be healthy, we need to pray. Spending time with the Lord. Again, as we said last week, somebody laughed at I talked about, now lay me down to sleep. You know, that's not, that's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. Or God is great, God is good. Those are fine and all that. But we're talking about talking to Jesus in prayer. Spending time with him. Okay? It's like oxygen. We need it to be healthy. Another thing that we need as little children as they're growing up, you can't just lay a child in a crib and leave it. You need, to, you need to spend time. You have to assist this child so that the child grows and gets healthy. And so all of us as children of God need assistance. So that's the other thing that we need to be healthy. That is, Paul said to the Corinthians, therefore I urge you, imitate me. He was talking about being that example. So we need to follow a godly example. We need a mentor who mentors us. And, beloved, we need to be mentoring other people as well who are disciples. We've talked about this before. Men with men, women with women. women. But we're mentoring each other. And that helps us to grow. We assist each other. We walk alongside and we disciple each other. We coach each other along in this thing called discipleship. And here's the thing. When we mentor other people, what I find as I've mentored young men is I find that I get sharpened in the process as well. Amen? So let's be mentors and let us be mentored as well. We need those examples. We need that assistance to help us along, to be healthy, to grow. And the other thing that we need, you're going to love this. The other thing we need to be healthy is exercise. Don't throw anything, I know. But we all need to exercise. If you laid in a bed or laid on the lazy boy all the time, you'd begin to deteriorate, don't you think? Isn't that what our bodies do? We must exercise. So what's the exercise that we have to go through that stretches us? And what that is, my friends, are the trials of life. Nobody likes those. Those things are painful. But those are necessary for us in order to grow us as disciples even. Because it stretches us, moves us outside of our comfort zones even. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, 
establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's 1 Peter 5.10. And then also in James 1, verses 2 and four, two through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy. Look, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when we go through the trials of life, the difficulties, it is like a spiritual exercise that stretches us and helps us to grow as disciples. It's not fun. It's not painless. But it hurts. But it's necessary as we go through growth and, grow, and, and seek to grow in our walk with the Lord. And then also... You need the nutrition, you need the oxygen, you need people to help you walk along with you, you need the exercise, and then there is this, you need rest. We all need rest. We grow when we rest. That is very important. We shouldn't rest all the time, but it's important that we get the right amounts of rest. Now, for rest, also, we, we find that rest is correlate that with our worship. When we worship the Lord, we find rest in Him, don't we? We praise Him, we honor Him, we adore Him, we, we magnify Him, and we can just rest in His glory and just rest in who He is and rest in knowing that He is the King and that He is on the throne and that He is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And we can rest in that. So as we seek to grow, we need that rest. We need to worship the Lord together as the body, but individually as well, to worship Him. That's how... We grow. Discipleship is a climb. Okay, class, here are your assignments. What do you need to know? What do you need to take away? What do you need to know today? You need to know this, that you cannot stay the same and be satisfied. As disciples, as disciples, you cannot stay the same and be satisfied. There must be, again, that holy, healthy dissatisfaction with where we are spiritually. Have you ever thought about the 212 principle? Some of you may have heard this principle before in leadership training. But did you know that at, at, temperature, at the temperature of 211 degrees, water is really, really hot? But did you know that just add one more degree, at 212, that water boils? It's the boiling point. And when water boils, there comes steam. And steam can power a locomotive. Mm. Can you imagine that? Just that one extra, that, just that one extra degree makes all the difference. 212. Where could you be in your spiritual growth, friends? If you were not satisfied maintaining the status quo or meandering in your walk with mediocrity, but rather you put forth that extra degree of growth in your walk and took the next step, whatever that looks like, as a follower of Jesus. No, you cannot stay the same and be satisfied. None of us have arrived yet. And so we see next, be constantly examining your life. Constantly be checking your life. Asking the Lord to help you see your life as He sees it. What do you need to change? What do you need to do to, to, to examine your life that you're pressing forward to be what Jesus wants you to be, to be like Jesus.
constantly examining your life. And then do, press toward the goal. Press toward the goal. Straining, stretching, running, moving, climbing. Because what's the goal? I want to be like who? Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. That's what we need to be doing. Press toward the goal. Now hear this. One real quick thing will be done. At the foot of the Swiss Alps, there's a marker there. And that marker is honoring a man who fell to his death, who he was attempting to scale the Swiss Alps. And when you look at that marker, now listen, when you look at that marker, it gives his name and it gives a very brief epitaph of his life, just three words. And here are the three words. It says this, He died climbing. He died climbing. Brothers and sisters, listen. Let that be the epitaph of every Christian, that we die climbing the upward path toward the prize of being like Jesus. Amen? Let's die climbing. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give over. Let's die climbing to be like Jesus. And if you don't know this, Jesus, it all begins, this climb begins with the first step. First step is acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Turning from that sin in our lives, knowing we're all sinners, turning to Jesus in repentance, saying, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me and cleanse me and come into my heart. As we embrace believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, professing Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's a step of faith. It's the first step. It's the beginning step of saying, as you say yes to Jesus, it's the first step in a long road of walking with the Lord to be more like Him every day. Constantly seeking to be like Him all of our lives. And then one day, we will see Him as He is. And we will be like Him. Amen? Father, thank You for speaking to our hearts this morning. We want to be like Jesus. Lord Jesus, we want you to move in our hearts and move in our lives. We want the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us and move us to that place where we're more like you. We want to be like the Jesus of your word, not the Jesus we've made up in our minds, but the true Jesus of Scripture. And Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, that we would do that in our life. We would constantly examine our lives, knowing that we cannot stay the same and be satisfied. So, Lord, may you have your way in all of our hearts today. Lord, where you have challenged us this morning, where you have worked in our hearts to be more like you. Lord, that you would guide us and direct us in our steps and lead us, Lord, to know where we, what we need to do next, to strive in this walk of growth, this discipleship climb. Lord, oh, the joy each and every day as we know we're getting closer to seeing you face to face. And that we're becoming more and more like you each and every day. Lord, let us be an example of Christ to others. Someone who has been transformed by the power of the gospel. So Lord, use us mightily and help us to grow. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Joe's here and I'll be here if you want to come and pray with us. We'll be glad to pray. Or if you want to come, pray silently. But come as God has dealt with your heart. Seeking to grow.
Father Jesus. Amen.